going on, you filthy animals? Welcome back to another episode of the Wall Street Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Lukemuller. In this episode, I brought an investing venue, and, and look, it was a fantastic episode. He's a great influence on Instagram. He runs a pretty successful page, and I really enjoyed his story, his background, being an immigrant, and how that played into his investing strategy and style. So again, really great conversation. I'm really enjoying these. If you know of anybody who has just a unique story, um, not cookie cutter, but something really unique, send them my way. I'd love to talk to them. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Fantastic. You sound loud and clear. Awesome. That's good. How are you doing, man? I'm good. It's just, uh, you know, my day off and uh, trying to run some errands here and there. All right. Well, I Try appreciate to, you um, hopping on. I really do. How are you guys doing over there? Doing real good. Doing real good. So where are you based out of, if you don't mind me asking? Are you in the U.S. or? So I, uh, yes, I am. Okay. I live in U.S. I'm, uh, I'm uh, from uh, Romania, but I live in U.S., Currently, I'm in Maine. Okay. With plans to move uh, somewhere um, southern, maybe uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, or um, Florida. Oh, okay. In what, uh, or, or Naples. So, professionally, are you in the world of finance, or? So, I graduated um, with bachelor in uh, business administration with financial economics. Okay. And now, uh, since I moved here, I'm uh, getting my uh, real estate license and uh, I've been doing the blog and the Instagram page. Okay. But this, I've been doing it for a couple of years. I haven't done it for uh, for too long. And what, uh, I've been are you uh, getting your real estate license? Kind of curious. So, I've always been fascinated by, about this. Right. Owning properties, owning stocks, money, money management, yeah. anything related to this. And uh, I have the feeling that over here in the West, the way the leverage system is and it works, it's better than any other places. With your 20% down payment, yeah. you can leverage that money in so many properties. Right. Like, it's just ridiculous and once you put that in to into an llc a corporation you protect yourself from any liabilities that you might think of or sure. you create your own safe heaven pretty much i love like, that's exactly what i do and, oh yeah and and uh you can tr you can control your finances look right. at COVID, for instance like um after a certain amount of income one hundred and fifty thousand. Once you you go over that spot, you lose all the benefits, but you have all the liabilities. <laughs> right. Once you are below that, once you are below that sweet spot, and you can control your finances to be in that spot. Yeah, I mean the world is yours, man. You can do whatever you want, and pretty much most of the people are trying to get as much as free time as possible. And I think this is uh, this is the way to go. Honestly, this okay. is the way to go. 
I like so professionally. Do you what do you do for a living? If you don't mind me asking. So right now I work in a, in a restaurant. Okay. I manage the restaurant. I serve. I pretty much do everything that is required in a restaurant. Right. And um, I must tell you that for COVID situation and how the past year was, we had the breaking record year. Like uh, I was amazed on how many people they could uh, they could have come. Like in other places, the restaurants they were shutting down, belly up. Yeah. And it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case over here. Like we extended. We the owner built a new additional room. Like it was like a whole different story. And how did that happen? Because, like, you know, you always you, you heard about COVID just ravishing through the East Coast, but then you know a restaurant like yours just crushes it. What did they do to stand out? I think it's bottom line, the way they uh, they manage the restaurant. Okay. He owns the building, he owns the property, he owns everything, and he doesn't own any money to any banks. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, Everything that he did, he used very much of Facebook ad advertisements. He um, did some improvements in the restaurant as well. So that way, the uh, people, they heard that, you know, the air is a little bit safer than, somewhat safer than other places. Right. And uh, plus, it was, you know, he asked the consumer what they expect from um, from him to do in order to feel them safe. And uh, he listened. Pretty much that that's borderline what he did okay. and plus being in maine it's vacation most of the people they they flee from big cities connecticut new york state or massachusetts and they came in uh, in maine yeah and, wow. uh, yeah a lot of a lot of places they did the same whoever is telling you that at least from this area that they had a rough year I will say that 80% 80, 80 of them, they had the breaking record year. The only industry that it was hurt badly was the everything that it was revolving around hotels. Mm -hmm, sure. And uh, pretty much everything that has like a Airbnb or stuff like that, that you, you rent apartments or houses, anything related to that, that was hurt. But other than that, restaurants, they, they, they were like... At least in this area, I uh, I've seen packed, like mobbed, a lot of people sitting. It was crazy. That's that's freaking crazy. That's good crazy. to see, man. I, I I'm glad to hear that uh, you were okay during COVID and you had a busy year. So that's good. So you know to kind of bring it back to investing. Yeah. What's what would you classify your classify your style as? You know, I see a lot of dividends. So I'm kind of curious. mine is. Yes, I am. Uh, so I have three portfolios that I own right now. I have my Roth IRA, and in my Roth, I went strictly with tech companies: Apple, Microsoft, okay. a little bit of Amazon, a little bit of Google. That's pretty much how I, uh, I do it. Because in the growth of these companies, people percent year over year revenue, right. which is not, it's not like a of two, three years of five, 10, 15 years, some of the companies to some extent. And that's how I have 
portfolio set up because I don't think any successful case I have to retirement my other practice. I got I want to have every nice and clean. Then I have another portfolio where I have more like on the speculative speculative stocks yeah. like nano dimension, like three D printing. Okay. Pretty much everything that is for the next next decade or so, like um, internet, artificial intelligence, pretty much everything around like uh, revolving around that. And yeah. I keep that in my um, M1 finance. It's gotcha. very easy going, set up, recurring payments, easy and forget. It just makes auto buys. And it really, honestly, I really don't pay attention that much on those speculative companies about the metrics that they're okay. having. It's just dollar cost averaging every month. Gotcha. And then I have my regular portfolio that I'm having for almost five years now that I keep in my Schwab account. And that's made a portion of the index funds. Mm -hmm. I'll say half percent, half percent of that, 50% of that is like index funds then uh, seven between seven and ten percent. I'm keeping in a catch position, mm. just in case that something happens. I kind of want to have like a, a cushion, so like I can put that money to to. And, uh, big blue chips companies, tech companies, a lot of dividend payers. Okay. I have um, HCHD from Schwab. That's a very good dividend pair. Absolutely. And I open a, a position in in the QYLD because I like their dividend. And I yep. hope, and I hope, I, I've done some research and uh, it didn't last too much valuation in the past year, even though with COVID, they lost like maybe 15% or so. So when it was falling down, the, the dividend yield, it was almost pretty much even with that. I mean, I, you can take like a, a loss, a small loss, but you have your cash flow. That's gotcha. gonna cash flow every month. And okay. you can put either that money in the same fund or either you can put it like in different stocks. Well, I so, used to own, yeah. I, oh, I was kind of curious. So for the dividends, do you have any dividends in your IRA just from a tax advantage standpoint or what's your take on that? Um, I, I mean, don't. Okay. I don't. I I have only growth stocks in my in my IRA. Gotcha. Because even though dividends they're gonna grow tax free the same way, even even uh, the other the growth stocks they're gonna right. grow the same way. Yeah. And I have the feeling that the growth stocks they are um, creating more cash flow than yeah. the dividend companies. Sure. So the growth is gonna be. Uh, more uh, more impactful on my yeah, IRA. Yeah, unrealized capital gains, sure. Yeah. And I have a lot of a lot of people that I know, they, you know, this is pretty much like a debacle. Like some of them, they say it's good to have dividend payers in your Roth IRA right. because it's just going to pour money in and it's going to be easier for you. Mm -hmm. I like to think that my, my approach is somewhat non-conventional because it's not a mix. It's just pure growth. How do you have yours? How is your IRA set up? Typically, so for the IRA, I have 
I don't really do a whole lot of dividend paying in general. I have a couple of ETFs. I have like VYM, which is Vanguard's like high yield. Um, that's situated in the IRA. But kind of like you, I have a lot of those um, high growth kind of um, innovation plays in there um, that are really long-term time horizon for my retirement account. That's kind of how I view it as well. And then in the traditional portfolio, just a tax, uh, non-tax advantage account, I have a variety of just ETFs usually. So it's like 60% ETFs and then 40% pretty much blue chip. Um, I, I'm a big yeah, fan of the blue it, chip. It's hard to go wrong with blue chips. It's, yeah. Even now, I was looking at the last week at the the past year. Mm-hmm. The blue chips they got hit hard as every other sector in the in the market, but yeah. they recovered pretty much the fast. Right. And they recover based on their earnings and not based on the momentum of the stock. Because if you look right. at the other stocks that are trading and they recover, they they they're still negative earnings. Yeah, they just true ships are momentum. still making no money. Exactly. True ships are not making any money. Right. Airlines are not making any money right, right now. Right. And the stocks are almost what they were pre-COVID, which is absurd. I don't know why people are willing to pay for something that is not creating any money. Because it's the anticipation, than- right? It's people want you know, have this expectation and they and my, my fear is they price in too much expectation and it it just leaves little room for error. There's just so much downside coming from that those valuations, especially on those reopening plays. Kind of scares me. Yeah, I believe it. I, and the way I see it is in, if in the fall they're not going to say they're going to release the, the cruises so they can have their normal schedule, yep. what are, are, what are you going to do then? You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be almost two years with no income, right. and um, I was seeing that at least for airlines, I was seeing a post. I forgot exactly the Instagram page that I did, and based on that, I did more research. And they were saying that Delta, for instance, it was they made in ten years the same profit that they lost in one year during COVID. So oh in yeah, so how are you going to buy something that is not profitable? It's just crazy. Nah, that gets to show you that people are willing to pay anything on everything right now. They, the market is just absurd. The P ratio of the overall market is like over absurd. 35. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think people are chasing those those potential like two, three, four baggers those stocks that they can, you know, 2X, 3X, 4X their money. Um, and, you know, a lot of those just rely on momentum like we've been seeing. And um, in the short term, that volatility is just is nasty. And um, just as quickly as you can, uh, you know, see your portfolio go up 100%, it'll be down the next day 100%. And um, that's not the game I like to play. Me neither. I, I'd rather be safe and think in decades than, uh, than to think in uh, short-term swings. I mean, I don't want to pay taxes that much anyway if I'm going to make like a like a sell. But usually, if I don't like a stock or if the fundamentals there are changing, I'm selling that stock at a loss. So that way, I'm doing a tax harvesting loss 
Right. So it's not going to affect me affect me every year when I'm fighting for taxes. So somewhat, I, I try to find the balance of here and there. So you sell stock sometimes at losses, and that that's you know that's smart. That's it's really disciplined of you. What goes into that decision when you decide to sell a stock for a loss? So if they're gonna make any money, if they're gonna have a dividend or is gonna be paused or gonna be cut, okay, then depends on the company that I do research on. Yep. Then how much, how big of a moat that company has? how many competitive advantages they have compared with other companies from the same sector. Right. And right now, the only, the only stock it crossed my mind is Disney. Oh yeah. Even though, so pretty much it fell at every of my indicators, like they cut dividend, they're negative cash flow right now. They're not making any money. Right. I know this is a short term thing that they're doing. And the way they are positioning themselves with the streaming service, right? I think it's just gonna be like a like a monster company in oh, the yeah. next five ten years. As soon as the parks are gonna be open, the cruises they're gonna be open. I mean, that company hits three four sectors on its own. Uh, yeah, that that company is a monster. I have money in it. I mean, you just can't go wrong with those stocks. <laughs> no, we, exactly. You just need to make sure that you have a nice entry level and then your dollar cost averaging into it. Right. I, I was buying it last year during COVID, like a hundred and change. Then I changed my thesis around it. They didn't release that uh, that quarter when they said that they got like 40, 40 million subscriber in a quarter. Oh, yeah. So before they released that uh, that statement, I sold it at, at a gain only for me to waiting another good entry level that right. it never came. Right. So I learned on the hard way that if I'm sticking with the stock and I like the fundamentals, mm. never sell it. I love that. I, I love that you pointed that out because that that is one of the most important lessons I think my listeners need to know is, you know, um, you need to detach the, the stock press from the fundamentals, right? I mean, you can't get too excited. Hold a company that you believe in for the long run and um, timing the market can get you in trouble on that. Whoever is telling you that they can time the market, I'm telling you they can't. <laughs> Right. Nobody can. Nobody I, can. I it's agree. just a joke. <laughs> Absolutely. Same. Same. Like, I'm going again back to to the last year. You know, it was those days when the market was dipping five percent. They were gaining five the second day. Right. Yeah. Falling five the third one, <laughs> and so on and so forth. They did it for a week, and when you were expecting to be another falling day, it just March 23rd, when it was the floor, and it, since then it's just only up. I so remember waited, those days, man. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like, you can't. I, I remember buying at every 5% dip, I was buying stocks. And I said, holy shit, this <laughs> doesn't stop. 
<laughs> I'm running out of money and the deepest keep dipping, you know what I mean? And I said, God damn it, I need to come up with a better plan for next time when the, the market is gonna be spoked and it's gonna it's gonna fall like this. Yeah, and you know, the unfortunate part is there wasn't a lot of time to buy the dip, so to speak, you know, because it was like a month, like you said, of just constant hemorrhaging. And then after that, that it was just to the moon. I mean, just consistently crushing April, May, June, you name it. It was just a stellar year. Yeah, I was buying way too, way too early. So I was starting buying at the end of February. And uh, I went to visit my family. I I was disconnected for for a week from the market. And when I came back, I've seen that it was still hemorrhaging. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna put like another twenty five percent of my my uh, my cash into this. By that time, it was already down like twenty percent. I said, this it doesn't happen very often. In twelve years, it never happened. And I wasn't expecting to go all the way down to almost 40%. I was, I, I depleted my cash reserves way, way ahead. I should have stick to, to another rule right. where the other rule that I have is to buy every 7.5% decreases. So at every 7.5% decrease, I'm buying, then I'm going to wait for another one because if it's going to drop, let's say 5% after the 7.5% decrease, when it's going to shoot back up, you're going to be negative only a few percentages because right. you're already buying as close as possible to the bottom. Yep. I didn't stick to that one. So overall I did good, but it could have been, uh, it could have been much, much, much better. So what, um, what about cryptocurrency? Do you have any in your portfolio? I do. I do. I keep that maybe 1% of my portfolio. I'm, uh, I'm buying every, every month around, uh, two to two fifty depends on, on how the, the crypto is going. Auto buys into Cardano, mm. uh, and, uh, Bitcoin. Okay. I was looking to see how um, Ether is doing, but um, I haven't had that much time to research too much about it. Yeah, I I, I, the plan I approach the same way as you. That that you know, one to three percent allocation is typically what I like to do as well. So it's good to good to see that you're not one of those guys that has a 70 percent allocation to cryptocurrency. No, because it's something that I don't understand fully but i don't want to be left on the side either sure. so by the time i'm doing some research i'm doing small buys instead right. of going all in like other people right if it's gonna pan out well well it's great if it's gonna be a bust well guess what others they lost much more than me so right. i'm fine either way well and for you it's like you know a one percent allocation it might seem small but the way we've seen cryptocurrency gains recently a 1% allocation could still make you a shitload of money. That's you what know? I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, who knew that Dodge, Dodge is going to be the way it was <laughs> like one year ago? It was like right. pennies to the pennies. Like, yes. I don't know how many zeros after the point 
it had. It had like six or seven zeros. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And now there are so many people millionaires because of that. So you see, uh, sometimes the risk takers, they they benefit from uh, from this. Sure. If you have uh, two conservatory approach you might be left behind or you might be too late because right. the way i see the market is the early people that are making the money off off the late people so it's just a transfer of money what about marijuana for you do you uh invest in any marijuana i know that's a hot um sector industry I to talk don't. about okay i don't i don't own any stocks in marijuana right now i used to own in uh, Aurora, but I sold those shares when they did the uh, stock split, mm-hmm. a pre-split. So I didn't like the fact that for every sh- for every three shares I was gaining a share. So they were trying to dilute the earnings, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna be out of here. The management they don't have like a very well structured plan, and plus yeah. they were at that point there were way too many states in the U.S. that they are still um illegal right. of use so by the time it's gonna be until the point is not gonna be like the federal law that they're gonna allow everybody to sell and yeah. distribute the marijuana i probably not, not gonna go into into them it's too much of a stock i was reading that they have way too much stock of marijuana and they don't have that many open markets i might be wrong but um no at this point no i don't know any well, I like that you mentioned, you know, how stock splits kind of turned you off because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, with a stock split, like you talked about, there's dilution of the current shareholders. So, yeah, that's that can be a tough take for people who are holding on to a comp- company. That could be a negative signal in their opinion. Yeah, or it could be a good signal the could. way it, NVIDIA worked, the way Apple worked, as soon sure. as they announced that this is going to be like a stock pick because the stock spiked 10% in the following month. Right. Well, it's like Amazon, right? How long have people been waiting for Amazon to split stock? You know, that I, I think that might be one people are Honestly, really paying attention to. Yeah, that one, if they're going to announce a stock pick, I see that stock going to 5,000 pre-split. Easy. 100%. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that. Uh, do you own any Amazon other than in your index funds? I do. Okay. I do. I do. I do individual shares. I have like uh, 10, uh, 10 shares right now. Okay. Okay. Baller. Okay. I like it. <laughs> what? Uh, what's your yeah, thesis I, on I Amazon? A... Sorry, I didn't hear that. What's your thesis on Amazon? Why are you you're so bullish on it to the point that you know you're buying ten shares? That's a pretty penny. I like it. Yeah, well, my uh, my average cost was around eighteen. It, oh, wow! The first time when I bought them, good for and you. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, as soon as it went up, and I've seen the revenue, I bought a little bit more. So right now, my uh, my average is around two. Yep. Still good. It's not bad, but uh, it's very hard for them to compete with, and for anyone else to compete with them. Right. I mean. There is no industry and no sector that it doesn't have a fingerprint of Amazon dipped in. 
it, it's impossible to find anything. And right now, if I hope they're gonna buy Jumia from Africa, it's uh, their yes. Amazon. It's like uh, very similar with uh, with what they're doing. And if they're gonna end up by buying that company, I mean, they have monopoly everywhere. Like there is no continent without Amazon. They're probably 80% of the countries in the world, they, they have an Amazon or uh, something linked to that. Right. I see them pushing very hard into a wellness with that um, bracelet, the yep. fitness tracker. And that's very sketchy because I have the feeling that they will record more data than Apple watches or Samsung watches or any other wearable device. I have the feeling that the data that they get out of that is gonna is gonna change a lot of people's life. I absolutely, you know, I was looking at Amazon's market share. It has a bigger market share than the next ten e-commerce companies when it comes to e-commerce sales. They have forty plus percent of the market share. I mean, absolutely crushing it. So you know, to me, it's just. A no brainer, <laughs> and, it, and it's just gonna get bigger and bigger. I'm really curious how, how they're gonna do it once the Jeff Bezos uh, is gonna go away entirely and the new CEO is gonna take place. I'm really curious about that. That might be the moment when they're gonna do also the split new CEO, new vision, and uh, who knows, a different approach to the the company well because you know how it's gone you know if a ceo announces they're stepping down that company is going to sell off right that's at least what what's been happening recently you know um people selling. i, I can tell you a, a company that it didn't sell off when the the ceo announced that they're stepping down microsoft really when those dudes yeah when those dudes step and uh nathia came like uh as a ceo with his vision, that company was like, they knew it was the rebirth of Microsoft. Right. It went, it went sideways flat for so many years that as soon as he took over, it just, it started to, uh, to climb. Yeah. And I owe Microsoft. I love that company. So do I. I, I do as well. You know, so as far yeah, as your, your page, I'm kind of curious. What's your vision there? Do you, you know, what's your hustle in there? Are you trying to build a brand? Are you trying to, you know, what are you, what is so your goal? I, my goal with that page was always to have like a nice, uh, easy, understandable investing content. And I started that page, I think a couple of years ago, but I never was like, into it i was losing focus after a while and the motivation but starting with this year i told myself that listen might as well do it right if i'm gonna waste my time and i'm trying to help a lot of people to understand that investing should be something that you should know and it's your duty to learn about it even though you're not being taught in school or in college or anywhere else in educational system, which is unfortunate. 
I came to this country without having the same tools that U.S. people have. It. Absolutely. In my country, we don't even have investment accounts or stuff like that. It's just borderline struggle, hustle, blood and sweat. Right. Coming here, you have everything at your disposal right. and yeah. it's your duty not to be a failure and not to not to take advantage of this. It's so easy if you go from someone that is going to be, you know, low income, high spender, borderline broke ass and you can come here and change your mentality and you can end up to be like a like a very fortunate person. It's very easy to make money nowadays. You just need a phone. And uh, the plan to answer your question, because I deviated from that. Is no, I love that. I love use, that. That was great. Uh, to use to use my uh, my blog, where the plan for that is to go in into a more in depth analysis on stocks and okay. my buys, my sales, and why do I have a reasoning why I'm purchasing a stock or what's my thesis behind that stock? And for that one, I was. At some point, I'm going to look to expand that with multiple Instagram pages and use the blog. So that way there's going to be like more, multiple researchers yeah. based on the same stock. So multiple ideas on the same stock and, uh, you know, for people to make it easier to compare why one person invests in this stock and what's his thesis compared with another person who invests in the same stock. Right. Who knows? Maybe you're going to find a great opportunity. You never know. Sure. I mean, they've been so many. NIO is one of them. And I, um, I didn't, I didn't bite the bullet and I'm still pissed about it. Oh, which one was that, that you didn't bite the bullet? NIO. Oh, Neo. Neo. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. I've seen that stock when it was like around two bucks. And I didn't purchase. Are the fundamentals on that company Again, any good though? Well, when I was doing research on them, they sold no cars. Right. They had zero cars sold. And uh, they were just raising money. They had the good management, but it's just they were not making any money. And after I passed on that, same during last year, the first quarter, they they saw like three thousand cars or so, like moving, but they're not as fast as I wanted right. want them to be moving. I mean, China it's a big country, and I was expecting them to have at least five, ten factories. Because being a cheap labor, you will think that they don't need that much, and they were raising capital right. all the time and i was thinking that them they need to to pursue it more aggressively look what tesla did right. they open a giga factory like in a, uh, on almost every continent you have in europe a couple you have in us Definitely. two or three they're building and he has in china i mean i was expecting them to do pretty much to have the same approach as tesla Right. and deliver units like crazy but uh i didn't pay attention to what happened after and uh 
soon after, I think the momentum came and uh, most of the people, they looked at cheap EV alternatives because Tesla by that, by that point was already too expensive. Right. And I think the, the price was moved by the momentum. And then when the, uh, the quarter release, release came, they, they show pretty, pretty nice numbers. Yeah. Even now, they, they, they show improvement year over year, but uh, I still don't own it. I didn't buy it. Yeah, I missed out on EV I almost think, entirely. <laughs> I, I think the, um, the way the price is right now and uh, how much cash they're making and the way they, they pursue the battery change and everything that's going around that technology... Uh, it's too it's too expensive for me right now. I'm not willing to pay that price. Not even for a long like hold. Like so, what would you what would trigger you? Because to your point, you know, when you say you know if it's got a good company and it's got good fundamentals, are you still not willing to pay that expensive of a price? Are you waiting for it to decline? In this or, case know? specific. I'm I'm willing to to pay a premium. Don't get me wrong, I really do. I pay the premium for Amazon. I pay the right. premium for Microsoft, Apple, these Absolutely. companies. But I want to see their revenue increasing in triple digits, at the, least in EV stock. And that's a fair point. You know, it's for for an established company like Amazon, right, or Microsoft. Yeah, you're gonna pay a premium, and you're gonna continue to pay because it makes sense. But yeah, Neo has a little bit of uh, proving to do, I think, you know, for a responsible investor. Yeah. I, yeah. And there are way too many companies that they're going to, I mean, they're not the first ones anymore, like uh, Tesla. There are going to be so many. Look at Ford, what they're doing. Their they're yeah. R&D is getting bigger and bigger year over year because they want to pursue that, that electrical vehicle. And most of the car makers are doing the same thing. It's going to be hard to compete with, with the car maker that is attached. Right. In, you know, 60, 80, Totally agree. Yeah, Brand new. totally agree. I, I will choose somebody with history all, all, all the time. So you're not, I you're know not people a big that Tesla investor, right? are you? I'm not my my Tesla is like uh, is like like a one percent. Yeah. Nothing uh, nothing too crazy about it. Why not? Most pe you know most people our age they're Tesla this Tesla that. I agree with your thesis though. It's a competitive and diluted market. Yeah, I would be hesitant to bet on any one company. <laughs> I, I think the valuation that they have right now, there are way too many ifs involved. Yeah. Way too many ifs. Yes. There are way too many things yes. that needs to go right in order to make mm. it doable for what you have right now. It's like pre-split is like, what, 35, 36, 40, 4 grand. Yes. That's a lot, lot of money. That's a lot of money. You want to compare Tesla with that a lot of money? Compare it with Amazon. They're not making, you know, they're not making not even close the same amount of money. Right. But if you think Amazon is expensive, then what's Tesla? <laughs> well, 
But yeah, it just like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and the it's priced the way I think. Sorry. Oh, just to your yeah, point, exactly. it's price exactly. perfection. And the way I think Tesla they can make their money if they're gonna rent, if they're gonna rent their uh, super fast charging system, they're gonna rent it to other car manufacturers. That mm. uh, they're gonna rent the way you would charge the car, the device itself, so right. that way you can charge per usage, per unit. I think that... Do you invest in Tesla? Absolutely not. Other than my ETF that I believe might have a little bit of exposure, my growth ETF or index fund. Um, but kind of to your point too, I just feel like a lot of those innovation high growth plays were priced to perfect, priced to perfection back at the end of 2020. And that's when I kind of started on my page, started telling people to rotate into value. That's when I started to get really heavy into the bank stocks back in November. Me too. Banks and insurance. I was buying them right. in uh, June, July, August. That's when I bought them. And I did pretty good with Aflac and uh, J JP Morgan. Oh, JP Morgan. See, that's exactly. a big staple in my portfolio too. Those are the... Mine is like almost 16% right now. That's how much it grew. Wow. I I don't want to trim it. I I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to sell not even a piece out of it. I'm not going to trim it. I'm going to keep it the way it is. And then I'm going to dollar cost average in the other companies. I so mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't JPM disagree at all. Gonna, yeah, JPM is going to is gonna drop in uh, asset allocation below uh, 7% at some point. But right now, I'm right. just going to sit on it. Well, yeah, because it's like, you know, right now the topic of discussion is inflation, right? And there's this new bill I'm sure you read, like $6 trillion. Well, if that's going to come out, I think banks stand to benefit over the, you know, the medium term time horizon you know as rates come up i think that only just benefits the commercial business of um of jp morgan and banks tend to perform even better oh yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent that's why right now the financial sector is the second or the third year to date compared with the uh, sap 500 the first one it's energy right. who would yeah, have thought energy. that they were going to recover so fast <laughs> But, you know, it's weird with energy, you have to be really specific, right? Because there's this clean energy that got crushed. So it's a lot of your like oil and gas, I guess, recovery plays. Is that what is that's what's been crushing it recently? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing. I was looking at Exxon, Chevron, like, like I, I couldn't believe my eyes, the the growth that they uh they had is just mind-blowing when everybody's talking about ev and uh <laughs> alternatives for uh, right. you know clean energy you have the old dogs pumping it and it's just absurd do you own any of them because some of them are pretty good dividend yields right nope I, no okay that's a hard mm -hmm. no <laughs> no i'm not 
I'm, I I don't own them. I have maybe, you know, in the index funds, sure. but pretty much that's it. I don't own them. No. I'm I'm good. Man. Any reason why you avoid? Um... Too much death. Not much cash. Yeah. Cash flow. I, 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 I don't like the way they uh, are being managed. I'm uh, the energy. Yep. I'm avoiding because I. I'm looking more into the and some companies are gonna be in a spot right for you. I have or and look for some learning all I don't believe that that good to be honest. Honestly, the, the way I see clean energy is like we need to go nuclear. Right. It's, it's nothing that is gonna be faster and more sustainable than nuclear energy. So yeah, pretty much that's it. I don't have that much exposure to them, but uh, I keep an eye on on the, on the companies. I'm running numbers, crunching numbers, and uh, when. Well, I love that. You know, I and Roz, I really appreciate your uh, your your time on here. I know you're a busy guy, and I'm a busy guy as well. Um, is there any other last minute things you want to wrap up and tell my listeners? No, buddy. Pretty much that's it, man. You know, just uh, try not to time the market and uh, follow you, follow myself, uh, follow other good Instagram pages and don't fall in the trap of, uh, uh, you know, making a quick buck fast. It's not going to happen that way. Baby about it. Nope. Absolutely not. Well, Roz, I appreciate your time, and we'll stay in contact. And uh, I hope you have a great rest yeah, of your day, and I thank you again for your time. As always, my filthy animals, thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. Stay hungry. Keep grinding. Catch you on the next one. Peace.